Oh, you move it in. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Good evening, church. Good evening. How is everyone? I'm so glad to see you. God bless all of you for being here. And uh, I've been looking so forward to uh, getting here and uh, meeting all of you. I've heard about uh, you for uh, about three weeks now. And, uh, and so it's good to be here and finally meet you. Uh, in three weeks, uh, your pastor and I have become good friends. Uh, there is just nothing I wouldn't do for him. And there's nothing he wouldn't do for me, and so we just go around doing nothing for each other. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a great arrangement. I like it. But uh, no, I'm joking. But it's it's good to be here. Uh, I um, uh, thank the Lord for uh, the church that uh, that has come up from or come down, I guess, uh, from uh, Auckland and Mount uh, Zion um, Baptist, and we are so glad to have. These are, these are some wonderful that have come down to be with us. They drove four hours to be here. Can you imagine that? That's just phenomenal to me. And his girls, girls, raise your hand. One. Okay, for, for being here this evening. All right, let's take our Bibles, please, and turn to the book of Acts, chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And I want to share some thoughts with you tonight about There was a reason that there was a Pentecost. And I hope to show you that reason tonight. So, uh, Acts chapter 2. All right, if you'll look please at verse 1. The Bible says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. All right. Now, do you have uh, Honda Accords here? You do? Okay, now, verse 1 does not mean they were riding in a Honda. All right. <laughs> Um, so uh, it means that uh, that they were all on the same page. All right, they all saw everything the same way. There was unity, unity in the church. Now let me just stop right here and tell you that this is the last time, first and last time that this ever happened. All right, uh, there has not been unity in the church since. Uh, but uh, but it was here on this day. And so they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were, how many? All. all. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, verse 5 and following is an explanation to what we just read 
in verse 3 and 4. All right, here's the This is what happened. Don't be afraid of Acts chapter 2. Right? Most Baptists are scared to death of it because, uh, you know, charismatics have claimed this and, and, and uh, you know, they, they, it's, it's their whole argument for having, uh, for having a denomination. And so they claimed this, and so Baptists are, are scared to death of it. Uh, you need not be scared to death of it. And I'm going to show you why and uh, help you understand what happened here uh, as, as uh, simply as I can explain it. All right, so starting in verse 5, this is what happened. Watch. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem who? Jews. Jews, all right, Jews. Now get that, get that straight. It's holiday time. Pentecost was a big time holiday, and it, it was fifty days. Thus, the word penta, five. All right, it was fifty days. Uh, on the other side, Passover, and so uh, back in. In Bible times, in the New Testament times, in the first century, you could not hop on uh, an offering air jet and fly down to Jerusalem, you know, and uh, then and then fly home uh, and get home before the weekend was over. Now, if you were going to holiday in Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, you would stay. 50 days for Pentecost as well. And, and so you all of the Jews who have come from all over the known world uh, to, to be in Jerusalem on this day. All right? Does everybody, you, you follow me there? Mm. All right, now, they, there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews. Devout men. Now watch this. Out of what? Every, Every nation, nation under heaven. heaven. You say, well, I wonder what every nation. <laughs> mm, it means every nation under heaven. That's what it means. All right. Uh, you say, well, I wonder what the Greek says. Every nation under heaven. Exactly what we read in our in our verse here. Mm. Alright, now look at verse six. Now when this was noised, when what was noised? Well, uh, verse two and verse three and verse four, when this was noised abroad, the multitude, what multitude? The multitude of Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. That's who. So all these people that were there on holiday to observe the, uh, 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 by the way, holiday, that's where holiday comes from. Holy day. All right, that's where the English word comes from. And so, uh, so, so these devout men uh, uh, came together. Came together. Now watch. And were confounded. Why? Well, because that 
every man heard, heard, look here, look here, heard them speak in one. The miracle in the hearing. Mm. Do you see that? I, I, folks, listen. If it is possible for people to get confused on the Bible, the devil is going to do everything in his power to bring about that confusion. And so they put all the emphasis upon the, the tongue. No, that's not where the emphasis should go. It should go on the fact that that the gospel the people got saved. That's what it's all about. I mean, the 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 hearing was only the, the tool that God used to get the gospel to these people's hearts. Right? Do you see that? In other words, the tool was not the main thing. Let's suppose I've got a great big bag up here, just a big old bag up here, and I put a million dollars in it. Alright? And I'll come in here tonight, I got that bag sitting right there, and I say, I am going to give this million dollars to one lucky soul in this auditorium tonight. I'm going to give this to Pastor. Now, Here's, here's what we do. Here's what we do with the tongues thing. All right? Pastor Kadila comes up here. He grabs the bag, pours the bag out, and goes running around the room saying, Glory to God, look at this bag I've got. Hallelujah, look at my bag. We're all sitting here looking at that million dollars. And the more he runs, the more we're looking. I mean, listen, folks, the bag is just the tool for him to get the money out to his car. That's all it is. And yet we focus on the tool instead of the main thing. And what was the main thing? Getting the gospel. And so why... Why the tongues thing? Well, because uh, you had all of these devout men out of every nation under heaven, and they are in need of the gospel. And so what, what happened? Now watch. Now watch. It says in verse 7, They're all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans. All right, so the, the disciples, he's saying, are not all these that speak Galileans. And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born. Now look at verse 9, 10, 11, and you'll see that there were people from all over. There were uh, folks from, uh, from uh, the Indians. That, those were Greeks. There were the Medes, all right? That's up around Iran and, and uh, Iraq. 
There were the Elamites down Saudi Arabia. There were dwellers in Mesopotamia. So that's over uh, in in uh, uh, in Iraq and and uh, and over in uh, I guess what today would be. Uh, like uh, Pakistan and some of that area, and then you had uh, uh, you had in Judea, which of course was was the province there in Israel, and Cappadocia. That's Turkey. Yeah, folks, Jews from Turkey came down, and uh, in Pontus and Asia, Asia. You ever wonder how Asia got the gospel? Right here. This is where it started. All right, look at verse 10. Uh, Phrygia and Pamphylia in Egypt and in parts of Libya. Wow, northern Africa, folks. Northern Africa. Okay, they are the Arabian people. And and so uh, you've got all these people. Now, if I've counted that right, that's about 19 different uh, uh, parts or regions of the world that all these came from that came to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. tongues the wonderful works of God and they were all amazed and were in doubt saying what means this and other uh, mocking said and there's always going to be those mocking I mean we, we, we downtown passing out tracks and talking to people and uh, there are folks that, that uh, uh, will just give you a just a you know, and put their hand out. That they don't want anything to do with the Lord. They don't want anything to do with it. I had one fella downtown, and I said I had that one with the smiley face on the front of it, mm. and I said, uh, I said, sir, I'm passing out smiles today. Would you like to have one? He turned around, and looked at me, and he said, "Is that about Jesus?" I said, "Yes." He said, "Well, I'm not interested." And I shouldn't have, but I said, you will be one of these days. Mm. And he looked at me and, and just kind of, you know, mumbled something under his breath that I can't repeat in here, turned and walked away. You're always going to get mockers. Mm. I mean, that's just the way it is. That's, that's, the devil's not doing his job if, if there's not mockers. All right, so uh, look at it. It says that others... Mocking said, These are the purpose of Pentecost. Folks, I want you to imagine this multitude of people that have gathered. I don't know how many were in the multitude, but I do know that 3,000 of them 
are about to have their lives changed. I mean, completely changed. Because that's what the gospel does to you. Amen. You know, when I got saved, I changed. I mean, I changed. My mom said, I like the new uh, son I've got. <laughs> and I said, uh, I said, well, I kind of like being the new son. Because I had not been very good before that. And, uh, and my mom even threatened me. She said, if you don't straighten up, I, I, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and I said, Mom, you can't do that. That's against the law. And she said, nobody's going to know. <laughs> nobody's going to know. And I, I, what got me is I think she was serious. <laughs> but anyway, uh, what really happened on the day of Pentecost? Now, folks, listen, I wasn't there. All right? I wasn't there. Uh, uh, how you were there, weren't you? <laughs> About 2,000 years ago. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, I wasn't there, but you know, I told uh, uh, Mount Zion Baptist in, in uh, Auckland that you know, I like to use my imagination, mm. you know, when I'm preaching, mm -mm. when I'm reading the Bible. I like to think it through, mm -mm. you know. I just don't like this flying right over stuff and, and, and not getting the the meat out of the verse. So I like to think about it. And I can just envision uh, uh, how this happened. Uh, the Temple Mount, and of course, when this happened, the temple was still there. Herod's Temple is what they called it. And it was huge. It was absolutely one of the most beautiful things, according to the historians that wrote during the first century, it was one of the most beautiful things that, uh, that you could see. And uh, it had gold all over it, and it was just beautiful. And it sat there. They had torches that had it all lit up at night, and it was a beautiful thing to see. And so, so uh, I, can see, uh, I can see the torches burning in the, in the morning light. And uh, I can see the people starting to gather at six o'clock in the morning for for the uh, for for the uh, call to prayer, uh, the the first hour, the first call to prayer. I can see them coming, just walking towards the temple and walking towards the temple mount. And then all of a sudden, here comes the disciples, and they are looking for somebody to share what has just happened with them in the upper room. And it's not a far walk, not a far walk at all. You can walk from the upper room in Jerusalem and be at, at the Temple Mount in about 10 minutes, probably 15 at the most. And so, so uh, here they are, they're coming onto the Temple Mount and there's all these people and, and everybody's going, Wow, what has happened? What's going on over there? We need to go see. We need to go see. And so here comes all these people from all these 19 different countries, and they do not all speak Hebrew. You with me? Mm -hmm. They don't all speak Hebrew. Mm -mm. Some of them speak Aramaic. Some of them speak Farsi. Mm -mm. Some of them speak... Uh, uh, this language, I mean, the, the folks from Asia, do you think they spoke Hebrew? No, no. 
So here comes all this multitude. How many is in the multitude? In my mind, I see thousands, thousands, 3,000 of them got saved. And that was probably a minority out of the number that was there. And so here are all these people, and then Peter, Peter steps up. You know, the only time Peter opened his mouth in the Bible was to change feet. <laughs> I mean, he's always sticking his foot in his mouth, you know? But boy, on this one, he nailed it, didn't he? And he walks over and he says, men and brethren, give me your ear. And what's he do? Does he speak in 19 different languages? No. No. He preaches in one. One. And yet everybody out there heard him speak in their own language. Isn't that a bigger miracle than what we have understood and what the charismatic happened? Isn't this a bigger miracle that you've got thousands of people and they all hear in their own language? Peter stood up, preached in his native tongue, and yet everybody understood in their own language. What he preached? Well, you can read it. He preached the gospel. And 3,000 people got saved. All right? Now, everybody understand that? With that foundation, let's look at the purpose for Pentecost. All right? Number one, I submit to you that the Lord Jesus was enabling his disciples to be witnesses. He is enabling his disciples to be witnesses. You see, folks, 10 days, if you'll remember, 10 days before uh, Pentecost, the Lord Jesus came uh, with the disciples and they went up to the Mount of Olives. And as they stood on the Mount of Olives, the Lord Jesus, all the way from the upper room, all the way to the top of the mountain, Mount of Olives, he's been talking to them. Now, what was he talking to them about? I'll tell you what he was talking to them about. We call it the Great Commission. The Great Commission, all right? Uh, uh, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Uh, Mark 16. Uh, I mean just giving them the Great Commission. Now, what's the Great Commission? That's a berry from today at lunchtime. <laughs> Mercy. That'd be crazy. All right, so, uh, it, uh, by the way, it, it, uh, the, the best dental floss in the world is preaching. <laughs> just so you know. Um, but, uh, uh, but so, so they walk up to the Mount of Olives, and the Lord is giving them the Great Commission. Now, we all know what it says, don't we? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Yeah, tell the whole world uh, the gospel. Uh, probably the gospel of Mark sums up uh, uh, best our purpose here tonight. And Mark heard the Lord Jesus say, all the world and preach the gospel to every 
creature. So through the witness of these 11 men. All right, remember, Judas committed Harry Carey. You remember that? All right, so he, he's not in the count. So there's 11. And through the witness of these men, the world was to hear the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, by the time you get to Acts 1, just 10 days later, going up on Mount of Olives, 11 of them. 11, that's it. When you get to the upper room, uh, a little bit later on in the chapter, you've got 120 of them. All right? And, and now, uh, uh, 3,000 are about to have their lives changed when they hear the gospel and trust the Lord. But now, folks, here's the strange thing. Even though these 11 tr uh, uh, had all trusted the Lord Jesus, and even though all of them believed that he was who he said he was, and all of them believed that he had indeed risen from the dead, the truth is they were not yet ready to do what he had commanded them to do. They were not yet ready to take that gospel into all of the world. The commission uh, was given for them to go and preach, but they were not all uh, uh, completely uh, uh, convinced that, that uh, of this matter of taking the gospel to a lost and dying world. See, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, here's what I mean. All of them were believers. All the 11. But, in order to witness, all right? Now, just, I want to ask a rhetorical question. Rhetorical means you don't answer me. But you think in your heart, okay? You think in your heart. How many of you in this room tonight know that you're saved and on your way to heaven. Don't raise your hand. All right? But how many are witnesses? See the difference? These men had just spent three and a half years with Jesus. They watched him day and night for three and a half years. They saw him raise his hand and calm the storm on the Sea of Galilee. When he calmed that storm, the disciples looked at one another and said, Wow, what manner of man is this that even the winds and seas obey him? Remember that? That little phrase, what manner of, that's a, that's a, a colloquialism. That's a, uh, that's a local colloquialism in Greek. And what, what it means, you know, when, if we were to say that, it would mean uh, what kind of man, right? Mm -hmm. if, if we were to say that, you know, what manner of man? We would say, what kind of man? Well, that's not what that colloquialism means in Greek. In the Greek, what that colloquialism means is, where does a guy come from? 
where does a guy come from? You see the difference? Mm. Not what kind of, where does a guy come from? That even the winds and the seas obey his will. Mm. Well, he doesn't come from around here, does he? Mm. Huh? You've never seen anybody walk out there and stop a cyclone from coming, have you? No, you never will. But the Lord Jesus just stepped up, put out his hand, said, Peace be still, like a little kitten. The mm. seed died down. There's another example of that in 1 John 3. Oh, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. What manner of man? What kind of man? Oh, no. Where does a man come from who could love sinners like that? Well, he doesn't come from down here. Now he comes from heaven. He was sent by God. You understand that? And so here, here's what we got. All right? Here's what we've got. These men believed, but they needed something more. What did they need? They needed something more. If they were going to go out and be witnesses under the uttermost parts of the earth, folks, they needed something more. Uh, look back at, at, uh, uh, at chapter 1 in verse 8. Here's the Great Commission in another form. This is Luke's, Luke's uh, interpretation of it. Look at verse 8. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You see that? Holy Ghost coming upon you, and then you get power. That's what they needed. They needed the power of the Holy Spirit of God upon them so that they would go out into a hostile world and tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ. We had Nehemiah with us the other day when we were down on uh, Queen Street. We had Nehemiah with us and, and uh, your pastor was uh, and your pastor and uh, and he 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 would take Nehemiah and put a tract in his hand and then he would shove him out and stick his hand up like that. Man all not a not a woman on they all look oh <laughs> and man, they grabbed that track from him. That he and I would go, uh, and, you know, <laughs> you know, look at us like, like, get away from me, you know. Uh, but Nehemiah, we just, you know, oh, they were all over that, yeah. But the whole point, folks, without divine help and divine assistance, I'll guarantee you. These men would have gotten discouraged real quick and probably would have gone back to Galilee and gotten their boats all patched up and mended their nets and simply went back to fishing. But with what is about to happen, there will be no danger of them going back to their old lifestyles. No, sir. They were going to get a fire burning in their bones that no amount of persecution or rejection or scorn or hatred could ever extinguish. I mean, without it and the daily fellowship and communion 
with the Lord Jesus Christ that if provided, they would have simply lived their lives and died and nobody would have known their story. Nobody. And that's what Pentecost was all about. It was to light a fire under them. In, in, in Maryland, where I live, uh, it, it, it gets cold. I mean, cold, cold, cold. Mm -hmm. Sometimes below zero Fahrenheit cold. Uh, and, and a howling wind, you know, 40, 50, 60 mile an hour wind. And it's miserable. It's just miserable. You can't, you can't stay out of it. It's miserable. And, uh, and we have, in, in, in our house, we have a fireplace, but uh, those things are not efficient, just a fireplace, because it just sucks all the air in the house and sends it out the chimney. So, so I got uh, a wood stove, a wood stove, and it's an insert. It just goes right into the fireplace. And it's got a triple walled pipe that for the flue, all right, up through the chimney. And, uh, and, and so the first fire of the year is always, you know, it's so tiny. And uh, we wait until, you know, it's just bitter cold. You know, just bitter cold. And then uh, I have to uh, cut firewood, flip firewood, I get about three or four cords of firewood, uh, which is uh, stacked about that high, and there's four rows of it. It's about 10 feet long. And uh, it, it's work. It's a lot of work. And I'm to the place now where I have a job, I buy it. <laughs> now, now, my wife says, you want to cut wood this year? Nope. Nope. And uh, she said, it's awfully expensive. I said, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. No, sir. I'm not doing that anymore. Call it in the house for me, I'd do that too. All right? But I look forward to that first fire. My wife and I both, we get all excited to go. She'll say, uh, uh, We need to go home and build it. Yeah, we do. So I'll go home and I'll go outside and I'll get the wood and I'll bring it in and put it in a fireplace. And uh, then uh, we use pine cones. All right? Use pine cones. They got natural kerosene in them, and uh, so we stuffed the pine. Uh, I got pine trees out back, and just oodles of pine cones. Some of them big like that, wow. and I'll shove those things in there, and then just light one, and uh, open the bottom of it up, and sucks the air in, and boy, a roaring fire in no time. And I just stand right there and just warm my hands. Oh, it feels so good. And then after it burns a little while. Uh, and gets hot, then the blower kicks on, and it blows out the hot air, and it'll just heat the whole house in no time. Oh, it's wonderful, wow. wonderful. When it's freezing cold, it's wonderful. Now, if it's not cold, it's miserable. <laughs> right? right? Yeah. But when it's cold, it, it just absolutely is the most wonderful thing. And, you know, uh, uh, when, when we get fired up and excited uh, about serving the Lord and about telling people about Jesus, that's what it's all about. All right? That's what it's all about. We, we, we just look at things 
completely backwards. And we think, oh, oh yeah, speaking in tongues. Woo, woo, woo. No, no, no. That's just the tool. That was just the tool that God used. But seeing people saved, that can thing. So folks, please understand that the Pentecostal blessing was equipment. It was the Lord giving them the equipment to be witnesses for him. It was God giving these men what they needed in order to do the job they were called to do. It was an endowment for the huge task of evangelizing the world. You see, they needed divine help in order to do a divine task. And so do we. So do we. But you know, in most Baptist churches, we have told the Holy Spirit, now you go over here and sit in the corner and you be a good boy. All right? Don't interrupt us. We got our methods. We got our ways. You know, we stand here. We sit there. We pray here. We, we uh, you know, we take an offering there. I mean, we've got it all lined out. We don't have room for God. We don't have room for God. We just leave him completely out, don't we? Just leave him out. I told, I, I, I read a book uh, here a couple of years ago, and uh, it was a book about all these different preachers that, uh, that were in New England, part of America, uh, the first state, and how they, uh, how they uh, conducted their meetings. And, and some of these guys were, were uh, you know, they just ride on horseback. They called them a perfect rider preacher. And they would just ride on horseback and go to town to town and hold revival meetings and, and preach in, 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 uh, in churches. And there was one fellow, and I, I can't remember what his name was right now, but he came to a church and, uh, and, and you know, had made arrangements with the pastor to preach a revival meeting in that church. And he came in and he, and he sat down up on the platform. And the pastor uh, went through all the singing and all that stuff, and he turns around and he said, My brother, if you'll come and preach for us. And he just sat there. He just sat there. And they all started looking at one another like, Is this man deaf or what's the deal here? You know, I mean, <laughs> is he not hearing what they're saying? And, oh, yeah. He already knew exactly what they were saying, but he didn't move. And so. Uh, so everybody started getting a little, you know, antsy and kind of moving around and wondering what in the world's happening here. And so the guy noticed that everybody was getting a little, uh, a little fidgety. And so uh, he stood up and, and uh, addressed the crowd. And he said, folks, he said, when God leads me to preach, I'll preach. And he went back and got on his knees by his chair and started praying. Well, over that building. There was a quiet that went over that building. And then one by one, men were getting up and coming to the platform. And they were kneeling down beside that preacher and praying. Then there were others that were coming. And then the teenagers came and then the ladies came and they sat on the front row of the, of, uh, in the front pews of the church 
And when the whole church was on its knees in prayer, asking God to give them the revival, then the preacher got up and preached. And it was something like one o'clock in the afternoon before he started his message. You know, everybody in America would have went home. Everybody in America. They would have all just said, well, I'm not sticking around here. This is ridiculous. I, I, I got a football game to watch. <laughs> and out the door they go. Yeah. If we don't get God in on what we're doing, we're not going to do much. Mm. We're just not going to do much. You say, well, I'd like to be a soul winner. I'd like to learn how to win people to Christ. Well, why don't you ask the Lord to help you become one? Ask him to give you strength. All right? So the proof, the proof is in what they did as a result of being filled with the Spirit. What did they do? They delivered the gospel. They delivered the gospel. Folks, much of our soul winning effort just fall flat because we do not include the power of the Holy Spirit in what we're doing. All right? Now, let me, let, let, me, um, let, let me show you one more thing. I want us to look at the first expression of this adequate endowment. The first expression. Now, they were filled with the Spirit in verse 5. We learned that there were a bunch of visitors from all over the known world. And, and their first expression of their new endowment of power is seen in verses 6 and 8 through 8. The disciples gathered a crowd around them, and they started preaching. And uh, the miracle of Pentecost is the fact that these men, in verse 6, were all confounded, they were amazed, they were stunned, they were floored, they had never experienced anything like this before. All these people gathered around the disciples and Peter preached a sermon in his native tongue and and all of uh, uh, and all of uh, all of them uh, heard him preach in their own language. In their own language. Isn't that amazing? In their own language. He didn't stand up and preach in 19 different languages. One. And the miracle was in the hearing. The miracle was in the hearing. Alright, so the first glorious effect of Pentecost was to make every man and woman, listen carefully to this, the first glorious effect of Pentecost was to make every man and woman know that here was something sent from heaven for them. For them. Here was something that God sent from heaven for them. Does that make sense to you? Mm -hmm. It should, because that's what happened. I mean, that's what happened. Uh, every man heard uh, that 
uh, or that preaching in their own tongue. Somehow, through the miraculous, unbelievable, unmistakable power of God, they were listening to language that they fully comprehended. The message was for them. And they had to know that. They had to know that. Because the message was understood. Wow, how is it that I can hear in my own tongue this man speaking to me and he does not speak my tongue? Amazing, isn't it? But that's our God. That's our wonderful Savior. You see, they understood it. They got it. They got it. They understood it. And they were, uh, uh, and it broke every racial barrier. It broke through every cultural barrier. And it broke into every language bearer, uh, a barrier. Avenues were opened. Ways were cleared. Uh, entrances were instantly discovered to hearts which before Pentecost were sealed. Now understand, folks, understand this. One more thing. Understand this. This is so important. Later on, Paul, the Apostle Paul, would discuss in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 a different gift of speaking in tongues. The gift of tongues here at Pentecost cannot be the same gift that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. Now, let me show you why. Take your Bible, please, and go over to verse 13 14. Let me show you what I'm talking about. All right, look at your Bible, please. 1 Corinthians 14. I'm in 2 Corinthians and wondering why there's no. Sign out by the road and put it out there so folks could see it. What? Why? Why? Yes, exactly. So they would know what's going on over here. That's what a sign does. Are you guys familiar with the way you make things up as well? The Golden Archway <laughs> Supper Club. Yeah. Yeah. Let me tell you a story. I have twin girls, all right? And, and we were going to Florida. I was preaching in Florida, and, and Karen and I were going to take the kids to Disney uh, while we were down there. And so we're going down Interstate 95, and it's getting along to lunchtime, and, uh, and there's this little 
still small voice from the back seat that says, I'm hungry. Me? Let's get something to eat. So, you know, we're, we're, we're just driving along, and uh, all of a sudden, I hear, there's a McDonald's up there. Now, that little squirt was two. She was two. And I said, how do you know that? She said, I see the very yellow end. I see the sun. You with me? Now, folks, listen. The sign, that's not going to do you any good. I mean, you can you can go pull up, get out of the car, and go over and sit underneath that sign until you die of starvation. <laughs> right? You don't need the sign. What do you need? You need the quarter pounder with cheese and french fries. Right? And yet everybody's all hung up on the sign. Oh, you got the sign? Have you, have you, you got the gift? You got the gift? Next time one of them says that to you, say, I got the gift of helps. Helps. Read it. It's a spiritual gift. Yeah, it's a spiritual gift. And when he's listing the gifts, they're all in order of importance. Apostles first, all right? And then last is tongues. And right up here above tongues is helps. You know what that means? That means that the ladies that keep the nursery, bless your hearts, by the way, every preacher in the world is thankful for the ladies that volunteer to work in the nursery. If you ever turn that mob loose on us, we're sunk. Man, I got dozens of babies in my church. And I say, I, I praise the nursery workers all the time. Oh, I love the nursery workers. God bless all of you. If you, you work in the nursery, raise your hand. God bless all of you. Man, I love you folks. Why? Because I don't want them saying, well, I'm not working in the nursery anymore. And then mamas have to keep the little tyrants in here. Tyrants. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Thank God for the nursery workers. The gift of helps. God says that those that work in the nursery have a better, greater spiritual gift than somebody who speaks in tongues. Mm. Hello. Right. Amen. All right. Read on. Keep looking. Tongues, look at verse 22, wherefore tongues are for a sign, all right? So they're, they're for a sign. Not to them that what? Believe. Oh. Oh. Well, I declare. That's right there in the Bible, isn't it? Not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. Tongues is for or was, tongues was for, by the way, Paul said in chapter 13 that tongues would cease. Mm -hmm. It would cease. 
And did you know that there is no record in church history beyond 92 AD? There's no record from there until 18, what was it, 90, 1881, something somewhere in there, with the Jesus charismatic makeup. Almost two thousand years. Wow, that's pretty important, isn't it? Why? Well, because tongues is not for them that believe, but for them that believe. Of course they will. And then you start after him, and then you start after her, and then she's not going to preach. She doesn't talk. She doesn't talk. And, uh, then he's next, and he's next. And, you know? I mean, we're just going to keep going all night? How's that possible? It's not, folks, and that's not what it's saying. You hear more than once. Preacher, uh, preacher, let her, let her rip, preacher. But then he says, he is convinced of all, he is judged of all. So that unsafe person, I'm not the only one preaching to him. You're preaching to him as well. All right? Everybody see that? Mm. Okay.
these gifts, they have, they have limits, they have guidelines. All right, look over, please, at verse 33. It says, uh, or I'm right, let's, let's look at verse 26. How is it then, brethren, when ye come together, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation, let all things be done unto edifying. Edifying. Look down at verse 33. Why? Because God is not the author of confusion. Now look at verse 34. Let your what? Hey, I didn't write this now. Don't anybody get mad at me. All right? I did not all right, this is, this, is, uh, this is the Holy Spirit leading Paul. Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, uh, for it is a shame for a woman to speak in church. All right? Now, what does that mean? You know? And you got these churches, these denominations, and man, they take that and just slaughter people with it. I'll tell you what it does not say. It does not say that you ladies cannot teach Sunday school, of course you can. It does not say you ladies cannot nod your head in agreement with the pastor and say, amen. One of my best ameners in my church is a woman. She can't help herself. That's just her nature. And I'll get up there and start preaching and she'll go, amen. <laughs> I mean, she's just loud. Amen. Woo. That's like saying sick them to a pit bull. You know? Yeah. Man, I mean, she gets me so fired up sometimes, I, I can't stand it. I just start preaching harder and longer. All right. You see the point? What's it mean? Well, it means, what's the context here? The context is two things. What is it? Speaking in tongues. You with me? Yeah. Speaking in tongues. What's the other context? Preaching. Preaching. Yes. You get an A. thing is women preachers, here's what I want you to do. Go argue with God about it. He's the one that wrote it. He's the one that wrote it. But it clearly states, clearly, that they are to keep silent in the churches. What's the context? The context is speaking in tongues. By the way, I don't know if you've ever been in a charismatic church but it's normally the women that are speaking in tongues. Not always, but more women than men. 
Direct violation of God's judgment. Direct. All right? And preaching. Women are, women are not to preach. They're just not to do it. That kind of puts old Joyce Myers on the back seat, doesn't it? Huh? Yeah. By the way, don't watch that garbage. Just don't watch it. If you don't watch it, you won't get sucked into it. You won't get drawn into it. Don't watch it. Watch, read your Bible. Don't watch that stuff. Read the Bible. This is truth. This is truth. All right? So that's what Pentecost was all about, folks. You see it? And what we ought to be doing is doing our best to get that gospel out. Get that gospel out. At Pentecost, think of this. At Pentecost, there was no need for an interpreter. You with me? No need for an interpreter. Why? Holy Spirit was the interpreter. The Holy Spirit was the interpreter. Getting out the need tongues we need the power the power the boldness the commitment the urgency to go out and tell the lost that Jesus saves and that's what Pentecost was all about every believer needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God let's pray Our heads bowed, our eyes closed. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your wonderful word. And I pray you'll bless this to our hearts tonight. Give us understanding of what we have heard. Help us realize there is a world out there that needs Father, if we don't tell them, who's going to tell them? So I, I ask you to help us to have that boldness. You allowed the disciples to go through Pentecost, this experience, so that they would realize that they need help. I mean, 3,000 people, who knows how many more thousands were there, but 3,000 people got saved on that day. And Father, I, I just pray you'll help us to see that that was not the disciples. That was the Holy Spirit working through the disciples. Father, I pray you'll help us to have that heart that wants the Holy Spirit to work through us. We have family. We have neighbors. We have co-workers. We have friends that need to know Christ as their Savior. And so, Father, give us that Holy Spirit fullness of power that we will be witnesses for you. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, please, I want us all to stand to our feet. Everyone standing as our pianist plays. God's dealing with your heart tonight about being a soul winner. Let me invite you to come.
Let me invite you to step out and come and pray. Get alone with the Lord for a few moments. I think it's very important that we realize the dealing of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Would you come? That's right. Amen. God bless you.